1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, give five people a high five, and then you may take your seat. Let's pick up where we left off last evening in Mark 14. Mark 14, beginning in verse 3, while he was in Bethany, Jesus, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly, to one another, why this waste of perfume? And so these are what we would call today faith critics. They said in verse 5, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So obviously we're talking about a kind of perfume that nobody in this room has ever purchased or knows anything about. I mean, Sue bought me some cologne a few years ago, and it was... You know, we thought it was crazy expensive, but it wasn't a year's wages, I'll tell you that. And uh, the perfume, I used to buy her. She got tired of it. But it used to be, in, in our world, the, the most expensive we knew about, but I'm sure not because, you know, there's designer stuff in Paris and all that. That's, that's a world past ours. Well, it, it wasn't a, a week's wages probably, let alone a year's wages. So this is something that we can't even get our mind around. Whatever this was, was worth a year's wages. And they rebuked her harshly. The King James says they murmured against her. Look, if somebody wants to give something to somebody, it's none of your business. You know, one thing I don't like about this current generation is everybody thinks everything is their business. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. They murmured against her. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Tell your neighbor, Jesus wants you to mind your own business. 
Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. Now, when he says the poor you will always have with you, I take that two ways. In other words, you can help the poor anytime you want, but poverty is based in human behavior. And because poverty is based in human behavior, the poor you will always have with you because poverty is based in human behavior. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. So what was she doing? She was, in effect, giving in to the anointing. Verse 8, she did what she could, said Jesus. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And that's why we read the passage out of Malachi. Because the, the Lord's got a book of remembrance. The Lord has got a book of memorial. And so Jesus said that wherever and whenever the gospel is preached, what she did will be remembered. It's a memorial. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And remember, we, we began last evening talking about what Paul said. It's not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. And so it's no coincidence here in Mark chapter 14 that Judas decides to betray Jesus at this moment in time. They're connected. Tell your neighbor, they're connected. These events are money-related, and they are connected. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus. So when did Judas go to the chief priest to betray the Son of Man? When envy and jealousy manifested themselves in his life. See, Sue and I came up in a different era. I know it's hard to relate to, but we would go to seminars. Ira Hayes was a favorite, and Robert Schuler, and, and oh my gosh, we just love Zig Ziglar. I mean, Zig Ziglar used to do this thing in Dallas where you could buy a ticket, and you went to the San Francisco Steakhouse, and, and you had a steak lunch, and then he would do a motivational talk. I mean, that's the era we came up in. Well, that's all gone. There's none of that now. None of that now. And all it is is whining and crying and complaining and clamoring for Marxism, which is based in covetousness. It's just covetous, wanting what the other guy's got, rather than somebody teaching you how to do what the other guy did, because if you want what the other guy's got, all you got to do is what the other guy did, because this is the friggin' United States of America, and it doesn't matter what color you are or what nation you were born in or what your native tongue in tongue is, you can apply yourself, and you can go out here and get after it, and you can make something out of yourself. Amen. Yeah, it was 14 months ago. There were uh, immigrants from Africa gave this church a $100,000 donation. Hallelujah. You know, and I got white boys, you know, talking about how they can't make it. It's all perspective. It's all mindset. It's all attitude. Are you hearing me, church? Kenneth Hagin used to say this, God doesn't mind his people being well off or like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, rich, 
what God minds is his people being covetous. And that's exactly, though, what the whole culture is full of right now. Amen. Amen. And the exact same people that would fall out with a teaching like this, they're sitting at home coveting their neighbor's goods. And that's what Judas was doing. He was coveting. He was coveting the gift this woman gave Jesus. He was coveting the gift this woman gave Jesus. You go to the book of James, he talks about killing, killing with your mouth. You, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. And that's what they do in 2021. They, they, they kill with their mouths. They kill with their mouths or they kill with their little keypads on social media and they go after people like wolves because it's all based in jealousy. It's all based in envy. It's all based in greed. And if people would spend as much time like working as they do complaining, they would get a lot further down the road. Amen. Amen. They were delighted. The, the religious leaders, verse 11, were delighted to hear this and promised to give him what? Money. Likes on Facebook. <laughs> right? Favorites on Twitter. What did they promise to give Judas? Money. Money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them. So what was it really about? It was about money. The religious leaders promised Judas what? Money. It was about the money. It was about the love of money. Any money we send out telling people about Jesus is not wasted. I said any money we send out to help somebody tell people about Jesus is not wasted. When we give money to pioneer a church, when we give money to, to buy land for a church we've pioneered, when we give money to put a roof on a church, when we give money for a crusade, when we put money into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not wasted. Why is there always a cry of people saying we spend too much time on offerings or we spend too much time talking about success or we spend too much time talking about prosperity or we spend too much time talking about world evangelism or we spend too much time raising money for evangelistic events? Well, because they got the spirit of Judas in them. Why this waste? I left off last evening telling the story of raising the money on a Sunday night. The last Sunday night Bud Sickler ever spoke for us back up at our first building up at I-30 and Northfield Road, raising the money to send him home on the Concord because he was not just jet lag, but he was suffering with food poisoning. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be, will be measured back to you. And Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Amen. And I thought I knew the power of seeds, but I found out on Monday, May 24, I had no idea the power of seeds. Back in 2020, in the year of the corona, I decided that when our net worth crossed a certain number, I would never again fly commercial. Well, as it turned out, I sold out before the corona crash really got going. And then I bought back in a little after, after the corona crash bottomed. So I made more money in 2020 than any previous year. And so I stopped flying commercial. Then on Monday, May 24, I was in a Citation 10 on my way to Miami. And I was trying to sleep. And my habit 
is when I'm trying to sleep, anytime I'm trying to sleep is to pray. And so I prayed, thank you, Father God, for showing kindness to an old man. You know, Tiff yesterday was telling us about his recent adventures on commercial airliners, and I said, oh my gosh, Jesse, Deplanus is right. They are nothing but silver tubes filled with demons. <laughs> and so I was praying May 24, thank you, Father God, for showing kindness to an old man, meaning I was grateful that I no longer had to fly commercial. And he responded by saying that he had empowered me to fly private because I had paid for Bud Sickler to cross the Atlantic his final time on the Concorde. The power of seeds. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have completely underestimated the power of seeds. You look out here southwest of the building, anytime it's, we're in the spring or summer or early fall, and you'll see tulips out there. And I don't know how long back it was, but some farmer's wife at some point in time planted tulips and the, the house is gone and the farmers are gone and the years have gone by, probably decades. But guess what keeps coming back? Talk to me. Guess what keeps coming back? Tulips. The power of seeds. We have completely underestimated the power of seeds. Amen. I mean, I thought I knew the power of seeds, but I found out that I had no idea the power of seeds. Could it really be this simple, that a man reaps what he sows? Could it really be this simple as to why the body of Christ is always broke? Because they have utter, utterly rejected sowing? Tell your neighbor, when you reject sowing, you reject, you reject reaping. Could it really be this simple as to why the body of Christ is always broke because they have utterly rejected giving? And that is, is that why Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Every word spoken is a seed sown. Be careful, be mindful of every word you speak over your children. Every word spoken is a seed. Every word spoken to a child is a seed sown. Every dollar given into the gospel is a seed sown. And every dollar invested into or given into the life of a child or a grandchild is a seed sown. Because Jesus said, Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured Back to you. Oral Roberts used to say, the hole you give through is the hole you receive through. But I've met people over my 48 years of preaching the gospel, and they wanted to give to God in a teaspoon and then turn around and believe God that their harvest was coming back to them in a dump truck. But remember, Oral Roberts taught us the hole you give through is the hole you receive through. And Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I'll tell you, we're going to meet tens of thousands of people in heaven, and in spite of the murmurers and the complainers, we're going to meet many tens of thousands of people in heaven because of what we are doing in these days. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. We learned last night that God's precious possession is people. God doesn't care about money. God cares about people. 
But Judas and his bunch were murmurers, and they were saying, why this waste? Why didn't you spend this money on the poor? I want you to notice that question came from Judas Iscariot, a thief. John's Gospel tells us that he was the treasurer, and he helped himself to whatever was in the bag whenever he wanted. That is a question. Why this waste? That is a question of the Judas Iscariot types. People who talk like that never do anything for the poor themselves. Poverty has become an industry in America since LBJ initiated his welfare programs in the 1960s. And that welfare program has done nothing but destroy the nuclear family in Detroit. Now listen, I know wherever I speak because I grew up in the Motor City. I grew up in Detroit. And Detroit at one time was called the Paris of the West. When I was a boy, Detroit had the highest per capita income in the United States of America, higher than New York City and higher than San Francisco. When I was a boy, the United States of America had the highest percentage of black home ownership in the United States of America. You know why? Because of the jobs and because of the nuclear family in Detroit. I'm so old. Say, how old are you, Pastor? I'm so old, I remember when a man could get a job in a factory in Detroit and with one job, buy a home and buy, well, find a woman, get married. Got to leave out that woman. Find a woman, amen, get married, buy a house, and buy two cars on one job. Feminism isn't about helping women. Feminism is about taxing women. I mean, now women can't even win a gold medal in women's Olympics. I mean, we live in a land of mentally insane people. The only thing that's helped. No, I'm not going to say that. It would be completely hilarious, but I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to say that. Because then I'd have to do what Tiff does and ask the Lord to forgive me. <laughs> See, if these people who incessantly talk about the poor really wanted to do something about the poor, every government policy would encourage marriage. And that southern border where all those drugs are coming across and where they do all that human trafficking, that border would be closed. If they cared about the, they don't care about the poor. The poor are simply an industry to get elected and get in power and maintain power once they're in power. Why this waste? Why don't you spend this money on the poor? And the people who level that criticism, like Judas Iscariot, they don't do anything for the poor themselves. In fact, we're doing more for the poor every week here at Faith Christian Center than all those politicians in Washington combined, because every week here at Faith Christian Center, we're teaching the poor how to not be poor. Are you hearing me? how to not be poor. You've never, not one time, heard any politician, Democrat or Republican, teach poor people how to not be poor. 
It's, it's the easiest thing in the world. Amen. You, know how you, you know how you don't be poor? You wait until marriage to have babies. And you finish school. And then you get married and then you have babies. Sound, tell your neighbor, this sounds really complicated. Yeah, that, that's, how you, that's how you are not poor. Everybody, that has, everybody that's poor nearly, I mean, I didn't bring the statistics with me, but they have babies before they get married. And then I thought abortion was supposed to solve that. It hasn't solved anything. My God. You know, modern man doesn't do anything according to God's plan, and modern man is completely messed up, and modern man acts like he can't figure out why he's completely messed up. If we would just do things God's way, we would get a lot further down the road. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Just, just do things God's way. We get a lot further down the road. The poor are an industry in America. Politicians raise money to run for office off the poor. Why didn't you spend this money on the poor? And the people who level that criticism, like Judas Iscariot, well, they don't do anything for the poor. Jesus said, Mark 14, 7, the poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. So this woman was a giver, a giver of a whole year's wages, the giver of an, the equivalent of a whole year's wages. And you know what Jesus said about her when Judas Iscariot and the others murmured against her? Jesus said, leave her alone. There's only one reason. If you ever get criticized over your giving into the gospel, there's only one reason, and that's jealousy. People are jealous that you have that much to give away. Let me tell you what, I have a strict policy. If I'm not amongst my real family, which means you, I never talk about my giving. It would not even occur to me to go talk to relatives about my giving. And when you wake up and step out in faith and begin to plan on how to give more and more and more into the kingdom on this side of eternity, Satan's going to try to cause you trouble and get people to murmuring against you. But Jesus is going to stand up for you and tell the devil and every other murmurer, leave them alone, leave him alone, leave her alone. But you got to steal yourself. When you start out into this and you begin to understand that, the, the, that God's financial plan was designed to not cost the believer a thing, when it dawns on you that God's plan to fund his kingdom was designed to not cost the believer a thing, when it dawns on you that God's plan for world evangelism was designed to not cost you a thing and you begin to head out on this, Satan's going to show up and oppose you. Because until this dawns on you, you're not dangerous. But once it dawns on you, I, once it dawns on you that you can give ever-increasing amounts into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and it not cost you a dime and you won't even feel it, then you're dangerous. 
because the windows of heaven open up above you and God feels greater, a greater comfort level in blessing you with more because you've proven yourself trustworthy in small things. Now God can trust you with bigger things. She had wrought a good work. Verse 6, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And in the King James, it says, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Are you doing any good works? Are you doing anything that would cause Jesus to brag on you? Let me ask that again. Are you doing any good works? Are you doing anything that would cause Jesus to brag on you? You see, when you give to Jesus and do everything you can to obey his marching orders, you are working a good work. And most people live their entire lives and never do anything of any notice. Most people live their entire lives and never do anything noteworthy. But the Great Commission is one area where any average person can rise up and come to God's attention by doing a good work. See, this brother here, he can't sing. This brother here, he can't play a musical instrument. Um, I'm not going to list any more things he can't do. I don't want to offend him. But see, <laughs> you know, he can, he, can, he can go to work. He can make money. He can give. Amen. See, in other words, giving into the gospel is an area Amen. that any of us can participate in. Amen. We don't have to have a talent. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. And then also, God, God doesn't judge us all the same. He took note of the woman, the widow woman that put in two small copper coins he took note of the fact that relative to what she had, she gave a lot. So the Lord looks at this thing in perspective of where we are in our lives. Amen. That's why I can't, uh, Sue and I can't tithe what we used to tithe in 1976. Amen. You ever hear of this thing called inflation? And so we have to step up, Amen. So when you give to Jesus and do everything you can to obey his marching orders, you are doing a good work. The Great Commission is one area where any average person can rise up and come to God's attention by doing a good work. And the problem is most people only care about, our, about themselves. But when you wake up and rise up and get busy about God's work and God's mission and God's house, you come to the attention of God. I said when you rise up, and you begin to get busy about God's work and God's mission and God's house and the Great Commission, you come to God's attention. You come to God's attention in a positive way. The first tenth of your income is the tithe. It's the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord's. Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. But God's people have disobeyed him on the tithe and we lost our country. Forget about, forget about not doing a good job in world evangelism. We lost our country. I mean, it's amazing. Now the United States of America is in and of itself a mission field. Not only that, God's people have trained God's ministers. Listen to what I'm about to say. God's people have trained God's ministers that they don't even want to hear about tithing or giving. So tens of thousands of pastors have stopped teaching God's people the requirements of God. Now listen to what I'm saying. God's people have trained 
God's ministers that they don't even want to hear about it. They don't even want to hear about tithing. They don't want to hear about offerings. They have trained God's men to not even bring it up. And so God's men, to make people happy, have stopped teaching God's people the requirements of God. My job is to teach you the requirements of God. Because if you don't know the requirements of God, how can you fulfill the requirements of God? And if you don't fulfill the requirements of God, how can you walk in the blessing of the Lord? But people actually say this to us. I don't want to hear that. That's why I said last night, doesn't matter to me what you want to hear. This is what I'm dishing out. Amen. Amen. Because I know my job. Jesus said to teaching them to obey, go into all the world. He didn't say make converts, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey. That's my job. That's my job description. My job is not to hand you, you know, when, when I'm at home on Sunday, you have to understand that's when I'm grandpa. You know, Samuel, they know, man, I'm the complaint department. Samuel comes to me two Sundays ago and he said, grandpa, grandma's run out of Tootsie Roll Pops. I said, well, we're going to get you some more, by God. Amen. Amen. But when I'm here, I'm not grandpa. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Do you understand that? Yes. Here's your Tootsie Roll Pop. <laughs> That's not my job here. My job here is to teach you the Word of God so you can be a doer of the Word of God so the Word of God can begin to take effect in your life and you can walk through this life blessed by God. Can you see that? Amen. Amen. You say, Pastor Gene, why haven't you succumbed to all the criticism and stopped teaching on tithing and giving? Well, because I know my job. And my job is not to placate the goats. My job is to teach the people of God the requirements of God. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I do, Lord. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my, that's my job. Feed my lambs. And it must have been important because Jesus asked the same question three times. First of all, we're going to obey God on the tithe, and then we're going to give offerings above and beyond the tithe in order to open up the windows of heaven. Jesus said, leave her alone. I say to every demon and every demonic force that tries to come against the people of God in this church and our partners worldwide, devil, you leave them alone. We're obeying Jesus. We're about God's work and God's mission and God's house. We're showing God that we don't just care about ourselves, but we love him and we love people. So devil, you just leave us alone. We're putting money in the bank of heaven. We're setting up treasures in heaven. But Judas Iscariot and his bunch said, this is a waste. Why this waste? A lot of people think it's a waste of time to get you fully persuaded about God's business. It's not a waste. People have said all these years, they won't get it. My home pastor from Detroit, I can tell you this now because he's gone. He called, last time I talked to him, he called me on the cell phone. He said, that's great, Gene, but he said they won't get it. I said, thank you very much, pastor. Got off the cell phone. That's it. Last time I talked to him, I don't need to hear that. I love him. But I don't need to hear that. Amen. Amen. Somebody, I need somebody to come along and say, we're getting it. Yes. Amen. 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 
I need somebody to come along and say, you know, I woke up. We had a brother last year, had a light bulb moment during the corona. Started making more money than he'd ever made in his life. Amen. God bless him. Just took two or three decades, but I mean, he, 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 he had a light bulb moment. Amen. I'm telling you, there's hope. I said there's hope. Amen. I said there's hope. And when I say that, I'm not being mean because I never saved a nickel till I was 33 years old. Now, we knew enough to put the money in the IRA every year, that annual amount you're limited to, but I didn't save a nickel till I was 33 years old. So when I say that, I could turn that flashlight on, that spotlight on me. That's what these meetings are about. I want to shake you. I want to cajole you. I want to prompt you. I want to poke you. I want to prod you. I want you to have a light bulb moment and say to yourself, you can do it. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. What one man can do, another man can do. We didn't even own a new car until we were 31 years old, I think it was, 31, 30 years old. Amen. And you can wake up. You can shake yourself. Shazak yourself. Like David did, amen. And say, I can do it. Amen. I can say it out loud. I can do it. You can do whatever you want to do. But I'm going to obey God and I'm going to lay up treasures in heaven and I'm going to win people to Jesus and I'm going to protect my family and I'm going to take my family with me to heaven and I don't care what the devil of hell likes, whether he likes it or doesn't like it, I'm not interested. Amen. 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 And every critic, they, they, I'm deaf to it now. Amen. amen. I mean, I've been working it and God's word works. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a better amen? amen? Because people didn't call me and people didn't ordain me and people won't judge me at the judgment seat of Christ. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to hear about Facebook likes and Instagram likes and Twitter likes. All that will be burned up. The earth's going to be remodeled. It's all going to be gone at some point in time. But what, what is judged upon us either at the white throne judgment or the great white throne judgment, that is going to stand for all eternity. We're going to have to live with it for all of eternity. Amen. Amen. So shake yourself. Anyone can murmur why this waste, but not everyone apparently can take action and get on with it. But how many can hear the Word of God and believe the Word of God and confess the Word of God and take action on the Word of God? Not that many, apparently. So many wonder, does God really know what I've done? Does God really know how much I've given? Jesus said to those murmurs and those complainers and everyone else that day in verse 9, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. There's a memorial. There's a remembrance. God knows what we're doing. God knows what we're giving. God knows. Amen. And not only did Jesus take note of what this woman had done and what this woman had given, Jesus said that wherever and whenever the gospel was preached, he wanted her story told. And we're telling it last night and this evening. You are living the kind of life. Are you living the kind of life where Jesus would want your story told and held up as an example? 
Are you living the kind of life where Jesus would want your story told and held up as an example? Or are you living the kind of life you just hope that God, Jesus, never brings it up? Jesus said, I want the whole world, I want every generation to hear this story about what this woman has done and about what this woman has given. Jesus said, I want her story to be kept alive and never to be forgotten. I want you to know that God looks upon your giving as a memorial, and God's got a record of your giving, and God's got a record of what you have done for his son Jesus. God's got a record of your sacrifice. Before he went to be with the Lord, T.L. Osborne told me that he was sitting in his office in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one day in his home, just sitting there pondering the word, meditating on the word, and he felt a presence behind him on the left. Then he felt a hand on his shoulder on the left, and he turned and he looked up, and Jesus was standing there. And Jesus said, T.L., I just stopped by to let you know that I appreciate everything you have done for me. I'm telling you, God has got a record, and God keeps track of what we have done for the gospel and what we have given into the gospel. See, the devil will tell you that nobody knows and nobody cares. But God's got a record. Jesus said, I want the whole world to know and every generation to hear about what this woman has done and about what this woman has given because Jesus was getting ready to go on that cross. Jesus was getting ready to be ill-treated by man. Jesus was getting ready to be crucified and die the most horrible death ever invented by man. Jesus was getting ready to die as our substitute and shed his blood in order to wash away our sins. Jesus was getting ready to experience the awful agony of being tied to that whipping post and having the flesh of his back, stripped off his back so that you and I might be healed. Jesus was ready, getting ready to go take upon himself the sins of all mankind for all the ages and be separated from God because God would no longer be able to look upon his son drenched in all the sin of all mankind and humanity for all the ages. Jesus was getting ready to go into his time of testing and torture and death on our behalf. And this woman anointed his head. This woman anointed Jesus for his coming death and burial, and what she gave was worth a year's wages. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still preaching about what this woman did, and we're still preaching about what this woman gave. And that aroma that she put on him was a reminder to him as he was getting ready to head into all that whipping and torture and death that someone loved him. When you do something for Jesus, or when you give something for the work of Jesus, you are telling Jesus that you love him and you love people. And when Jesus went to that garden and fell on his, on his knees and cried out to God, Oh God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And as he prayed with such agony and such intensity by that he was sweating drops filled with blood, I'm sure he could still smell the aroma of that 
fragrance, that perfume, that that woman had broken that alabaster box and poured that out upon him. While he's in the garden on the Mount of Olives praying, he could smell the aroma of that sacrifice. And you know what? Jesus was encouraged. Jesus knew someone loved him, and Jesus knew someone cared. And when Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, he could still smell the aroma of what that woman had done and what that woman had given, and Jesus was encouraged. Jesus knew someone loved him, and Jesus knew someone cared. When Jesus was arrested in the garden, he could still smell the aroma of what that woman had done and what that woman had given. And Jesus was encouraged, and Jesus knew that someone loved him. When they tied Jesus to that whipping post and beat him mercilessly and stripped the flesh off his back, he could still smell the aroma of that perfume, that alabaster jar of perfume worth a year's wages. And he, could, he was put in remembrance of what that woman had done and what that woman had given. And Jesus knew that someone loved him, and Jesus was encouraged. And when Jesus stood in Pilate's hall and heard them cry out, probably some of the same people just the previous week who had cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But now the holy poloi, the crowd is crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And I'm sure the devil was there telling him that it was all for naught and that the people didn't appreciate what he was doing and that the world was against him. He could still smell the aroma of that fragrance, of that perfume that that woman had broken and poured over his head. And Jesus was encouraged, and he knew that someone loved him and someone cared. And when Jesus went to that cross and was lifted up like the serpent in the desert in Moses' day, he could still smell the aroma of what that woman had done and what that woman had given. And Jesus was encouraged, and Jesus knew that someone loved him and someone cared. And until he went into that grave and came back out, he had the memory. He wasn't thinking about Judas. He wasn't thinking about the betrayal. He was remembering what that woman had done. And I want to point out that a lot of times at crucial points in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was no stud of a man to stand with him, but there was a woman who loved him, and there was a woman who encouraged him. And actually, it was women that supported his ministry. Amen. Is your life a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God, or is your life a stench in the nostrils of God? Is what you've been doing the last seven days a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God, or is what you've been doing the last seven days a stench in the nostrils of God? Because the days are short. We've only got months now, maybe weeks, to gather in the harvest of the Lord Jesus Christ and to do what we're going to do for God. I say to you tonight, my friends, you only pass this way one time, and you need to make your life count for something. 
We don't have Jesus here in person in the flesh, but I want you to know that when we break open our alabaster boxes and give our gifts to Jesus, when we see the death and destruction of what Satan is doing to men and women and especially to children all around us in these last days, when we look at this dying, demon-possessed humanity on their way to hell without any hope, and when we are moved with compassion and love and we give into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to reach the lost and to tell them about Jesus, I want you to know that the perfume, the aroma of your giving will not just last in time, but it will last for all of eternity and it is a memorial, it is a book of remembrance, it is a sweet fragrance and it's going to be there when you get to heaven. The Lord knows. The Lord remembers. Man may forget. <laughs> but like on that airplane on May 24, you realize more than two decades have gone by since I raised that money on a Sunday night to send the apostle Bud Sickler across the Atlantic his last time on a Concord. And the Lord knew the Lord was listening in that foyer of that building up there at I-30 and Fielder Road. What that woman said to me, the Lord, but more than two decades later, it was a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. It was a memorial to God. It was a book of remembrance to God. And I'm, I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for your kindness to an old man. And more than two decades later, he reminds me of what I did for that elder apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's telling me that was a seed sown, and this is a seed reaped. The devil's a liar. The devil will tell you that you're alone. The devil will tell you no one's noticing. The devil will tell you this or that or the other. But the Lord knows and the Lord remembers. Are you hearing me? I said, are you hearing me? I had a dream in 2020, and I was in heaven. And men of the church lined up to thank me for teaching them to obey God on money. Because having just come through the judgment seat of Christ and having just received their eternal rewards, they found out they were going to be rich forever. And they were lined up to shake my hand and to thank me for teaching them the word of God. I'll tell you, we're going to meet many tens of thousands of people in heaven because of what we're doing in these days. Shout hallelujah five times. Shout hallelujah five times. Kenneth Hagin told the story about it was Macmillan, Evangelist Macmillan. How he knew this, I don't know, but Macmillan passed away, an evangelist. I've got his book, You Found for Me in My Desk Upstairs, The Authority of the Believer. Macmillan got to heaven, and they took him to a stadium, and the stadium was full of hundreds of thousands of people. And Macmillan turned to the angel and said, what's this? And the angel said, the Lord told us to gather everybody that you had won to the Lord in your lifetime and in your ministry. Can you imagine Tiff Shuttlesworth crossing over and the angel of the Lord taking him by the hand to a stadium and saying, the Lord told me to gather together everybody you have won to the Lord in your lifetime. 
The devil is a liar, and the devil will tell us that no one knows and no one cares and no one's keeping a record. But the Lord knows. The Lord's watching. And what we do for the Lord and what we give into the gospel is a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of Almighty God. Hallelujah! And if he cared about this woman's story being told for 2,000 years, he cares about your story being told. So give God something to work with. Amen. Start. Don't let my big stories discourage you. If my big stories discourage you, get on the app, go back two or three decades, and listen to me tell little stories. Am I right, brothers that have been with me a while? Amen. Amen. Of course we're telling big stories because we've been at it a while. But you got to start. I said you got to start. You got to head out. You got to give some, God something to work with. No farmer reaps anything until he sows. And don't let the devil talk you out of it. God wants you to be a sower so that you can be a reaper. God gives seed to the sower. Don't just sit there waiting for God to do something. You get busy. Evangelize. Give. Share Jesus with others. We have a stack of books at home on the, uh, in the entranceway to our house. God's very own child. I don't want these workers that come to my home. I don't want, any, I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. Anybody that comes to our home, we want them, we want to witness to them. We don't want to be a pest and a nuisance, but we want to let the light shine. We want to be a blessing to them. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? So we're the givers. We're the blessed. We're the rich. We're the givers. Thank God we're the givers. Somebody might be offended by me saying we're the rich. Look, a lot of people have never traveled. If you are on welfare in the United States of America, you are rich compared to most of the world. Thank God we're the givers. Thank God you and your children aren't sitting in some hut in India or Africa waiting for someone to come and tell you how to be saved. We're the givers. They are the receivers. Your giving opens up the blessings of God upon you. That's why Jesus said, Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured in. Will, shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye... Meet with all that shall be measured to you again. Jesus didn't say, given it shall be taken away. He said, given it shall be given unto you. Satan is the one that comes and takes things away from us. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, and that you might have that life more abundantly. But God comes to add. Satan comes to divide. Satan comes to subtract. But God comes to multiply, and God comes to add. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. All of these things shall be added unto you. So God is in the adding business. God is in the multiplying business. Satan comes to steal. Satan comes to divide. Satan comes to destroy subtract but God comes to add and God comes to multiply Amen. I've heard people say I don't want to become a Christian because I'd have to give up so much that's a lie out of the pit of hell when you get saved you don't give up when you get born again you gain when you get born again you gain Jesus when you get born again you gain the Word of God when you get born again you gain the Holy Spirit of God when you get saved you don't give up stop letting that junk come out of your mouth stop talking about what you're giving up Amen. 
It's a mindset that uh, I, I, I have to give up. I have to suffer. I've got to do without. That's a mindset. Stop letting that come out of your mouth. Jesus said, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. It's not uncommon at all here at Faith Christian Center for people to tithe now more than they earned the year that I met them. That's not uncommon at all. In fact, it's a very common thing. And the word that I preach here at Faith Christian Center is so effective our donated income in 2020 in the year of the corona went up 51% even though because of the fear mongering and all that the government was doing, attendance went backward a little bit. Didn't matter, didn't matter because the donated income went up 51%. I mean, think about it. I was meditating on this this afternoon when I was trying to sleep and couldn't. It was only January of 2018 that the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to quit fooling around, and I want you to get this church paid off. I didn't think I was fooling around. I thought I was doing a good job. But we owed five and a quarter million dollars in December of 2017. And the Lord told me how to do it. The Lord told me how to do it. He said what to do on Easter Sunday. He told me what to preach on Palm Sunday and on Easter Sunday. And he told me how to do it. He said, you send Fred and Betty Price $10,000, a personal gift from you to them. You believe me for a hundredfold. When that money comes in, then you turn around, give that million dollars into, into the uh, challenge offering. Told me exactly how to do it. Laid it out. Told me how to do it. And it wasn't 24 months. That million dollars had already come back to us. February, two years later, 2020. February 2020 I'm out praying in the morning and the Lord told me when you get back to the room look that up I was surprised I wasn't paying attention by uh, January of 2020 we'd already had a hundredfold and not one dime of it came out of Faith Christian Center and not one dime came from anybody at Faith Christian Center I'm telling you brothers and sisters in the Lord you don't have to have a million dollars to start Amen. 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 Amen it works and that's what drives people crazy. Amen. Listen, if I was riding a donkey and standing here in sandals, nobody would have a problem with the message. That's right. Are you hearing me? If I rode a donkey up here tonight and I was wearing sandals, nobody would have a problem with the message. It's not the message that causes the problem. It's the fact that it works. Right. Amen. 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 It drives people crazy. It's amazing what God has done. November last year was all paid off. What is that? 30, 34 months, 33 months? Amen. And you realize, even though 28 new billionaires were created last year in the lockdowns, not one of them sent us a nickel. So all the money came from the good people of Faith Christian Center, which means they must have been that much more blessed in the year of fear-mongering. And the way we've been holding church and the way we've been holding school, if what they were saying is correct, well, we'd all be dead. And not only are we not dead, the Lord's making us rich. 
shout it out loud. The Lord my God protects me. The Lord my God blesses me. And the Lord my God prospers me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we say to the devil here this evening, you haven't seen anything yet because we're just now up and rolling. We tell the devil here tonight, shut up and leave us alone because we're just now up and rolling. We just now figured some things out. Amen. We're not going to listen to the murmurers. We're not going to listen to the mockers. We're going to stand one day at the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have to give an account of our lives. We're going to have to give an account with what we did with our money. The day is coming. We're going to have to give an account of our stewardship. There's coming a day I'll have to give an account of my stewardship. Say it out loud. There's coming a day I'll have to give an account of my stewardship. And the Lord Jesus Christ will de demand an accounting of your stewardship. He will say to you on that day, what did you do with what I put in your hand? And I don't want to tell him that I spent it on me. I think we're doing a good job, though. Sue and I went to get our wills redone. Nice Southern Baptist attorney, older guy. And he asked us, did you list all your real estate? Yes. He said, you don't own a vacation home. No. You don't own a home in Colorado. Apparently, we're the only ministers in the county that don't own a vacation home. I mean, he asked us, am I lying to them? He asked us three times. You don't own a home. You don't own a vacation home. No. So I didn't know how to take that. Was I, did I have a different set of priorities or did I not stand in the line when they were passing out vacation homes? You know, like some people weren't in the line when they were passing out brains. Maybe I wasn't in the right line when they were passing out vacation homes. But we have different priorities. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not against vacation homes. We got people in this church with vacation homes, but, you know, I'm thinking a little further down the road. I want to make sure that the home I get stuck with forever is uh, a nice place. Amen. Amen. Although I gave so much money to missionary Bud Sickler, if my house is not very nice, I can go down there and be welcomed into his eternal habitations. Amen. And sit in his living room. Amen. Amen. Now, you all that don't give, don't be counting on coming into my <laughs> eternal habitations. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull out the giving record. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I think it'd be great to be rich here, but I think it's more important to be rich forever. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? But I think we can have it all. I think we can have it all. I think we can have a happy home. I think we can have children that don't embarrass us. I think we can have godly seed. I think we can be blessed here. I think we can be blessed on the other side. Amen. Life and more abundantly. So we're going to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Say it out loud. I'm willing, I'm willing 
Well, Pastor, do you really believe that we can win so many people to Jesus? We can change the course of this old dark world? Pastor, do you really believe that we can win so many people to Jesus? We can change the course of America? Well, here's what I do believe. No matter what other people may do, you and I can obey Jesus. You and I can live the way God wanted us to live, and you and I can work God's financial plan for our lives no matter what other people may say or do. That's what I believe. Amen. Do I believe we can change the course of this nation or the world? I, I, I'm not even going to venture into that because I don't want to say anything negative, but I think we can do our part and we can stand tall and we can not have to hang our head at the judgment seat of Christ and we can be a different kind of Christian in these last days. What a wonderful day we live in. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I know we've got folks watching us all over the world. I mean, people, those poor people in Australia, New Zealand. I mean, it's like they're living on prison continents again. South Africa is on the verge of total societal collapse, economic collapse. There are places around the world where the spirit of the Antichrist has completely taken a hold. These are the last days. We have the Internet. We have no idea how many people are, we are reaching with our services around the world online. You see, what a tragedy to go to hell from India. What a tragedy to go to hell from Africa. But what a real tragedy to go to hell from the United States of America where we have had so much gospel preached to us. If you don't know Jesus today, or if you need to come back to him today, why don't you pray this simple prayer? Father God, you know I'm a sinner, but Christ died for sinners. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and to save me now. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus, that I believe, Father God, that you raised Jesus from the dead, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And on this day, I make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. Because listen, the time is short. I know you think I'm just talking preacher talk, but I believe this is it. All the apparatus is in place. All the mechanisms are in place. It's all set up right now for them to keep you from buying or selling. It's all set up right now. They are using the military in Australia right now to keep people locked down. They are flying over backyards in Australia with the military, blaring over the intercom, disperse because we are coming to your house to issue fines. There are places in the, on this earth right now where if you don't do exactly as you're told, they're locking you up. I mean, it's all in place right now. Don't play with it, not another minute. Don't count on more time. Don't think we have more time. Don't think you're going to wait until your ship comes in to start obeying God on the tithe or following the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is it. This is it. This is it. And the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. He already has his prophets, and he's already speaking. Now, he's not been revealed, and I don't want to meet him 
I don't want to hear his first speech on CNN or MSNBC. I'm believing God that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be out of here. Amen. But we must work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.